What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gospel Reacts. And today we are so excited to start our very first episode. Um, how it's going to work is we're going to break down a piece of the Bible and you know see what we can learn from it and figure out how we can apply these biblical principles to our daily lives. So we're going to start in the book of John for this first series. Uh, the book of John is great because it has a lot of foundational understanding for Christianity. It really kind of dives in on a broad scale, um, you know, overall pillars of belief that are in Christianity, the life of Jesus, um, what his life on earth really meant and what that means for the world at large. Um, so we're going to start kind of small today. We're going to take the first kind of half ish of chapter one, um, going through verse 28. So I'm going to read it and then we'll get down to kind of the analysis part of it. So starting in verse one, I'm using the ESV or English standard version to read in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dealt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as if the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. All right, so there's a lot in this first passage. Um, it kind of breaks up into two overarching themes. We're talking about who Jesus is spiritually, and we're also talking about this guy 
John the Baptist, who is here kind of to pave the way for Jesus. So when we look at these first few verses, um, it can seem kind of cryptic because it seems like we're talking about a lot of different things that are also kind of the same. And that's the sort of duality that we're working with, you know, the, the, the emphasis or the subject of really the Bible as a whole is Jesus as a man and Jesus as the son of God, like a spiritual figure. And it's those two things living inside of Jesus that make him so special as the son of God and, you know, the savior in Christianity. And so at the beginning of John, when it talks about, you know, the word and the word was with God, but the word was God, the word is going to be another word for Jesus. So Jesus as the living manifestation of God's word on earth. And so that's where we have at the beginning, before creation, before Genesis, Jesus was with God in heaven. And because of the Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, we'll get into those nuts and bolts later, but Jesus and God are one and the same spiritually, and Jesus was just sent to earth as the physical manifestation of God. And so because of that, those next few verses talk about, you know, creation and light that refers to, you know, Jesus being directly connected to everything on earth. You know, Jesus was part of God's creation at the beginning. And so John continues that Genesis theme of light and dark to talk about the world with and without Jesus and how Jesus gives light to the world and also gives life to the world. And so there's some abstract kind of concepts in there, but they do well to lay the groundwork for, you know, future discussion and future study. So if you're a little confused, that's totally fine. <laughs> These are pretty, like I said, abstract concepts. And so when we get a little bit further to introducing this character, John, his entire goal was to get those conversations going and, you know, pave the way for Jesus to arrive on earth and be effective because people would then be looking for him. And that brings up an interesting point. Um, that whenever we take on different goals or visions or projects or have something in mind for the future, it's important to know that sometimes there's a precursor. Maybe somebody is there paving the way for you. And so if you have a vision or a project or a goal that you're working on, don't let it deter you if it might be taking a little bit longer to do so or you find yourself maybe not where you want to be at a given time. Who knows? Maybe somebody's there paving the way for you. That if you arrived now, it would be too early and it wouldn't work. Timing is everything, right? So maybe in your own life, there's a John the Baptist who's preparing the way for you to arrive in a certain space or in a certain job or a certain relationship that even though you want it now, now might not be the time. So keep going. Don't get discouraged. Now, at this point in the book, as we start introducing John the Baptist and other characters, it's kind of a prologue for the rest of the book. Uh, we start getting into some of the guiding principles and tenets of 
Christianity. And so right off the bat, a big one that hits Israel and Jewish society, especially as Jesus first arrives, is their inability to recognize the very thing that gave them the light that was talked about earlier in the chapter. So at the beginning of the book, we've got Jesus and light kind of being synonymous with each other. They're one and the same. And that light that is Jesus gave light and life to the rest of the world. And all throughout the Old Testament and much of Jewish history is this focus on finding the Savior, being ready for God's light to re-inhabit and come back to the earth. And so the big purpose of John the Baptist being there was essentially to say, hey, we can't miss it. God's light, Jesus, is about to be here. But because of all this history of waiting and looking out, there was almost this tunnel vision amongst religious leaders in Israel at the time, so that when Jesus did arrive, and he was the fulfillment of everything they had been looking for, he was greeted with animosity and not able to be recognized by the very people that he gave life to. And so that raises an, an interesting point that having like book smarts and knowing like the Bible and other texts and you know, having knowledge is incredibly important. Definitely don't want to shy away from that. That's the whole reason we're here, right? We're learning about the Bible. We're gaining knowledge. But the big thing that people were missing at the time is that spiritual awareness and relationship. A huge part of Christianity is that emotional, mental, spiritual relationship that we get to have with God, uh, which is really powerful and transformative for the mind, the body, and the spirit. And so there's all that to say that when you are striving for your goal or achieving your vision, you can't get bogged down in the details. Sometimes you just got to go with your gut, make it happen, make that big push, and things will fall into place. Jewish leaders at the time were so bogged down with the Old Testament and, and old texts that the very thing that they were looking for was right in front of them and they did not see it. And so to highlight that more inward spiritual relationship that Christianity focuses on a lot, Jesus describes in like verses 12 and 13, a birth and transformation that was internal and spiritual. Of course, he's not meaning you know, a physical <laughs> rebirth, right? Nobody does that. That's just not natural. But the transformation that takes place mentally and spiritually as a result of getting into a relationship with God makes all the difference in one's life. But he takes that a step further that when we have that transformation, we become children of God. You know, we're wrapped into this family of of Christianity. We're wrapped into God's family. And by extension, that makes us, you know, heirs and co-heirs of that light and the blessing. So when we are heirs and co-heirs, we have all of the blessing and the power that Jesus had, right? So Jesus being God's son, we are kind of brought up to that plane in a way to kind of back that up. We see that elsewhere in scripture in Mark three, 
it says, and looking about those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of God. He is my brother and sister and mother. That's Jesus talking. And then when Paul writes to the Romans later in the new Testament, he says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now I want you to think about that. You know, when a king announces an heir, right? We think of, you know, medieval times, you know, Game of Thrones, that kind of thing. When a king decides an heir, think about how much of a shift that is in the kingdom and in the world that this new person is now going to get all of the power, all of the glory, all of the riches associated with that. And so when you look at God as the creator of the universe, the omnipotent, all-powerful, all-present being that's over all of us, when we are made an heir with Jesus, think of what we get, right? It's like when Adam and Eve were given dominion over all the things in the Garden of Eden, right? When we are elevated to an heir of God, think of what that entails in terms of our lives and the power that we hold and the blessing that we get to receive day after day by staying in a relationship with him. So to continue on in our story, when we get to like verse 14, 15, we kind of flip back to a more physical side of the coin. We've been dealing with some of the spiritual aspects, getting back to the physical and kind of that John the Baptist route of the story. When Jesus became a man, he also never stopped being God. I want to hammer in that really important detail that you know, just because Jesus was a man on earth, he was still fully God inside. He just hopped in a mortal body for a bit while he was on earth. And so when it talks about Jesus being a man on earth and coming to John and interacting with, with Israel, um, the glory, grace, and truth that he had in heaven stayed with him. That's another reason why it was crucial for John to come before Jesus is that sometimes the thing that we hope for doesn't always come in a package that we expect. Um, we'll see later that Jewish leadership thought the fulfillment of Jesus coming to earth would have been this big, like triumphant entry and conquering. And Jesus arrived in a way that not many people would have expected. And so in your own journey, as you go about life and establish goals and visions and work towards those goals and visions. Don't be thrown off or surprised if the thing that you're looking for comes in a different package than you might expect. Have an open mind and be willing to accept whatever comes your way in those circumstances. And so those next few questions of, are you the Christ? Are you the prophets? Are you Elijah? They were kind of falling back on their training to establish, you know, who this guy, John is Pharisees were the religious leaders at the times and Levites were assistants to priests basically. And so that's where John makes that distinction between the law of Moses and the role of Jesus as a fulfillment or the answer to those laws, not a replacement. And I think that's the big thing that we're focusing on here with John preparing the way for Jesus. Jesus says plainly in Mark, 
Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus is here to be the answer, to be the fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament was pointing towards. And so diving into some of these questions that are being asked by the Pharisees, um, they may seem kind of random, but there were certain things that had to happen before the arrival of a savior or Jesus. Um, first and foremost, they were hinting at the reappearance of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in the old Testament. He had to come back. And then there was also a secondary prophet that was supposed to come after Elijah between Jesus as an example, we see in Malachi that behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And in Deuteronomy chapter 18, it says the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him. You shall listen. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And I love John's response because, you know, the reappearance of Elijah and the calling of a second prophet, these are like big roles, right? They come before Jesus. They come before a savior. And so when presented with the opportunity to claim a status or a role that wasn't his, John was humble. He had wisdom. He decided, nope. I am who I am. I don't need to be somebody else or put on a front like I'm somebody else. I'm John. I'm the precursor. And I think that's really powerful because even today, we may be presented with a status or a title or maybe get credit for something that we didn't necessarily do. It's super important to stay humble, stay in your lane, be confident for sure. Don't get it twisted. But remain who you are. You know, if you have that goal or that vision or that calling that you're working towards, remember to keep that in mind of what you're doing and who you are so that your vision and your goals can be achieved as efficiently and as powerfully as possible. John did the job that was required of him and he was honored for it. That's the thing. He stayed who he was. He stayed humble and he was honored because of it. He had the humility to praise Jesus and to keep sight of his goal, even when he was questioned or judged for it by the people around him. Now, the next thing I want to draw attention to is the idea that John was just kind of doing this, right? Like he didn't get any instruction from people or wait for someone to kind of tell him what was going on and what to do. John just did it. That's why Jewish leadership was so kind of confused. They're like, where did this guy come from? That John had heard from God and decided to do it. There was no hesitation. There was no mistrust or misgiving. John simply went ahead and did what he felt called to do. And so that's what I want to encourage y'all today. My next point, you could say, is that you don't need permission to carry out your vision or your calling. If you have a goal, if you have a role or a vision or a calling, just do it. 
especially if, you know, if you're a believer and you feel like there's something that God might be telling you to do, of course, verify that it is God. Get in the Bible, speak to religious leaders like pastors or someone knowledgeable and establish that first and foremost, it is God (laughs) telling you to do what you think he's telling you to do. But once that's confirmed, go for it. You don't need my permission. You don't need anyone else's permission to go ahead and do the things that you've called to do. Because once you do that, you've just been freed. God is love. Christianity is about love and kindness and support, but also discipline and compassion. So to kind of tie all that together, if you have a goal in mind, like we've discussed, right? It'll come in time. Sometimes there's a precursor waiting for you. Sometimes it might come in a different package than you were expecting. But if it's something that is inspiring to you or beneficial towards others, then go for it. If it's from God, establish that it's from God and go with it. Don't get held up in the details. Don't get bogged down by the small stuff. Pursue excellence and remember to access your blessing as God's heir and a sibling to Christ. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. Join us again on Wednesdays for new episodes of Gospel Reacts. Like, comment, subscribe, all the social things. Y'all already know. Thank you so much for listening. Have a blessed day, stay safe, and we'll see you next time.